Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring author Ben Kleber. He'll be talking about his new book called Anatomy of an Apple. And that's not about a pair. We'll also hear from Kirk McElhern, Macworld's iTunes guy, and Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. All this and much, much more on the Tech Night Owl Live. Okay, the book is called Anatomy of an Apple. Ben, it's primarily an ebook at this point, right? Yes, we, we launched primarily in the ebook, mainly because we could get it out quicker and we had uh, the freedom to update the versions and kind of keep things a little bit more current. Kind of in the vein of Take Control Books. Absolutely. Now, before we discuss the book and why it came to be, let's talk about what's here and now with Apple. So on Tuesday, Apple introduces the iPad Air. And that kind of backsided me because I didn't expect to call the thing the Air. I thought they'd just keep calling it the iPad. Do you think it's because Apple is going to eventually release a larger iPad? Gene, I think what they were doing was just sort of moving into the same direction that they have moved with their laptop line. They needed a different uh, differentiator. They've gone through the uh, numer- just the numerology, you know, iPad 1, iPad 2 kind of thing, the iPad 3. They've tried backtracking to just no number after it, which is, for example, like with the MacBook Pro line, they've never really used any sort of numerical reference. It's just the current selling MacBook Pro. So I think that they're going more to emphasize the power the desktop class processor that it's got, for example. The fact that it's not a light device in the sense of being underpowered, that's my thinking. Well, obviously, we don't have one to look at and to compare, but we look forward to seeing them when they first come out. Obviously, the iPad mini is going to be in slim supply. I think the only criticism about that, and of course, it's kind of these schizophrenic criticisms you get from Wall Street, which is, Apple keeps the price relatively high at $399 at the starting gate. Therefore, profits are good. But it's not cheap enough, so therefore, they're not going to get as many sales. Well, Gene, uh, you know, it's a little bit of like uh, Charlie Brown with the football when it comes to Wall Street and Apple. It seems more a matter of Wall Street issues advice that if Apple were to follow it, they'd be walking directly off a cliff that Wall Street's all too happy to sort of comment on at that point so they will basically criticize apple for not listening to them and then if apple gets in trouble because they are listening to them wall street will say "Uh uh-uh exactly we actually uh there's a chapter in anatomy of an apple where we compare it to a marriage proposal with the divorce papers already in hand it's sort of like the minute that they say, hey, you absolutely must do a uh, smaller version, say, of the iPad. You must do the iPad mini. Knowing full well the margins would be absolutely less than the full side, knowing what that's going to do to their profit margins and such. Then when Apple does it, they immediately pounce not on the benefits of the market growth that it gave Apple, but on the lowered profit margins which were obvious all along. 
Well, this comes back, of course, to the fact that I don't think Wall Street has a clue what it's doing. And that's unfortunate because we have some part of the economy managing trillions of dollars of investments, and they're sitting there and they're clueless wonders. (laughs) Anyway. We remember what happened last time Apple was run by somebody who took Wall Street's advice, John Scully. John who? John Scully. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. As soon as John Scully took over, what we remember was Apple's stock skyrocketed. Wall Street was reassured. And they turned out to be some very disastrous decisions. It goes to show you that you listen to Wall Street and you end up being just another company that doesn't make a profit. Now, I never understand the appeal of Amazon because Amazon very rarely makes much of a profit. Usually it's very carefully calculated to be a slight profit or a slight loss. They obviously move a lot of cash into the system and they sell lots of goods and services. But that's Wall Street's darling. It doesn't make sense. Well, Wall Street has an obsession with efficiency. And if you notice, Wall Street tends to uh, actually reward companies that come in, buy out another functional, successful enterprise, and then kind of loot it, basically. They, what they want is short-term profitability. They don't really like the long-term investment. With Amazon, I think that the major appeal is the Shark Tank uh, characteristic of it. Bezos has said several times very publicly, that Amazon's game is a long, long-term long game. What they're looking for, basically, is to ride the market until no one else can afford to stay in it. Then they'll make their profits. Well, of course, now you're seeing other companies try to duplicate Amazon in different ways, like eBay. Instead of just being an auction house, which it was originally, now it's become a place where independent vendors set up businesses and they try to be an alternative. I think that that is very interesting that you bring that up, Gene, because one of the things that we've heard a lot of over the last few months uh, is all this advice that Apple should become a jack of all trades. Uh, People wildly speculating they should move into, say, buying eBay, things like that. What we see from history is Apple was engaging in exactly that kind of behavior when Steve had to come back and rescue them from being 90 days from bankruptcy. There's a fundamental respect for a company's purpose that he reinstilled. Do what you know how to do and do it very well. Um, Steve famously had said to Philip Knight of Nike, he says, you make a lot of things, but you also make a, a lot of junk. Get rid of the junk. I think that there's a respect for focusing on your craft that actually, at the end of the day, rewards a company in the market. Obviously, Apple is weathering that. And now, of course, the stock price has gone up a bit, and then there's this report that Carl Icahn wants to push them to have a greater stock buyback, which, of course, Apple's not going to do. But because Icahn urged the buyback, the stock went up six points. Let's get past that. <laughs> okay, so I gather you're pretty well pleased with all the new gear and everything. Let's look at this book. It's called Anatomy of an apple. Now, what's your background as someone who follows the company? Well, Gene, about around uh, 2000, I really wasn't focused a tremendous amount on Apple. But 
for Steve Jobs, as a matter of fact, from his early career. I had used some Apple products uh, when I was much younger, but kind of just drifted in a different direction. And then what happened was as I began building my own product refinement and licensing company, at the core of our company, we have certain values. We believe that what we should do or what we work on should help improve the world. We believe in putting the consumer and their experience at the front of everything we do. And more importantly, we also believe that the best contribution we can make to the world is by slowly erasing the small cracks, the small fractures, disruptions in the daily life of people through products. That is where I began to gravitate towards Steve Jobs. What impressed me was his extreme focus on the consumer experience, on bringing and elevating humanity through all of Apple's products. Then, as the years went on, and I kept paying attention to the incredible contradiction between the outside Apple uh, pundits and advice that the company was getting and Steve Jobs' choices. We have lots of choices. The book is called Anatomy of an Apple. Ben Kleber joins us. More to come on the other side of the Tech Night Owl Live. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30% while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should too. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. There is only one detox product that stands out above the rest. Micro Plant Powder. And it's available only at HempUSA.org. Micro Plant Powder does wonders by removing toxins from the body. Detoxification is a vital process that's extremely important for restoring your health. 
Micro Plant Powder is available in eight different formulations, and we can help you choose the one that's perfect for your lifestyle. Micro Plant Powder is 100% chemical-free, non-GMO, anti-inflammatory, gluten-free, and packaged by hand in BPA-free containers. HempUSA.org wants you to be healthy, and Micro Plant Powder is one of the best ways we know to detoxify your body from head to toe, all for about $10 a month. Take back your life and enjoy living again with Micro Plant Powder. Call 888-910-4367. That's 888-910-4367. Micro Plant Powder, available only at HempUSA.org. A healthy digestive system supports a healthy immune system. And a healthy immune system protects you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse, available at Terraganics.com, is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, is non-GMO, has all-natural certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is never freeze-dried. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM1, the raw probiotic. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Ben Kleber joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. His book is called Anatomy of an Apple. Ben was telling us about his background, how he came to follow the company. Let's continue on that vein. So, Gene, what it boiled down to was I continually saw some incredible business lessons. Here's a guy who took a company 90 days from bankruptcy. Here's a guy who continually managed to demonstrate that success can come from following your craftsmanship your values, and focusing on them with almost a religious uh, zealotry. That led me to just religiously, so to speak, uh, research his uh, achievements and read all the contrary advice and kind of follow. And in business, one principle stands apart, and that is being right when everyone else is wrong is invaluable. Being right when everyone else is wrong in politics may not be helpful, for example. But when you have someone like Al Gore that moves into a company like Apple, and it's astounding that the profits that he manages to reap from those intelligent decisions uh, start to come back, you start to sit up and you pay attention. So you look at Apple and you look at Steve Jobs and you see a relentless focus that got him through some incredible uh, tough times. He we basically uh, managed to hold out when the whole world had kind of cast him aside in certain ways. And there were just a lot of business lessons that I thought virtually every business person should know these lessons, but they weren't being articulated very well in the existing business books. Well, what 
it is the problem where so many companies out there and so many tech pundits and financial pundits do not understand Apple, even though what Apple does is pretty transparent. It's pretty obvious. You know, there's a couple things. One, I, I often, in the book, I actually compare some of those pundits and I look into their reasoning and I look into their backgrounds. Some of it is almost like a little kid that covers his eyes and says, you can't see me. Because Apple was never really, and especially Steve Jobs, was never particularly opaque in what he was doing. Uh, for example, uh, in one chapter, we discussed the iTunes store. From day one, Steve laid out exactly what was wrong with the existing music stores, exactly why Apple was making the different choices they were, and why if someone tried to do uh, an alternative, it wouldn't work out very well. Instead of heeding the advice, you saw almost like a headstrong rush to sort of uh, rebel and try to prove Steve wrong. And what did it get you? It got you the Zune Music Store. It got you a store that literally put consumers last in every single way. There's no truth to the rumor that the people who designed the healthcare site, the Obamacare site, were the same ones who designed the Zune site. <laughs> I can't comment on that, Gene. <laughs> I'm not privy to that knowledge. I'll put it that way. Well, it's absurd anyway, you know. <laughs> the whole thing is totally absurd. But the point being here that they say Apple's got to do this. They have to release this product or they'll be out of business. They have to do that or they'll be out of business. But with all the ups and downs extending since the mid-1970s, the executive shakeups, the overhauls, and everything else, Apple is still around. So, yes, the company will make mistakes, but it seems to right itself or move on. I mean, some people say if the iPhone 5C is a mistake, because it's not selling more in the iPhone 5S, but from a profit and loss standpoint, you want to sell the more expensive product. That's good. Gene, that's an excellent point to bring up. When I, I, I was asked uh, in a print situation, uh, I was asked to comment on that. And what's interesting is Apple has been accused repeatedly by the tech pundits of overshooting their market. In other words, the minute there's a cheaper alternative that is quote unquote good enough, Apple is sort of doomed. Well, here's what Apple did. They put out two products simultaneously. Here is a lower good enough solution from them, the 5C. And here side by side is the premium 5S with this advanced 64-bit processor, this advanced fingerprint RF reader, all these other features that set it two steps above. And what did the consumer base do? They overwhelmingly chose the premium product because it's a value because it opens up the future, because it is the right way to go. So Apple basically took the temperature of their market and realized that they were, they were in no way overshooting their market, and the pundits are way off base. You know, they sold 9 million iPhones the first weekend, split between the two models. I don't know if it's two-thirds, one-third, whatever. doesn't matter. At the end of the day... They said that was a failure. They must have been stuffing the channel. But how could they be stuffing the channel if you wanted an iPhone 5S? The channel was stuffed. You get one. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was amazing that they tried to ret uh, reach to the channel stuffing uh, idea. Since Apple has never reported in 15 years, they've never reported their sales in that manner. Uh, their competitors have. So that, sta that stands by itself. But Apple's never played the we shipped this many to our resellers game. 
they've simply said, here's what we ship to consumers. And that's the beginning and end of it. Now, let's look at back at the book and the things that are happening. And obviously, we can only cover the surface of what's in the book. Now, you cover the full history here of what's going on with Apple, right? Yes. I think that the only way to understand Apple's present and accurately predict its future is to go back and spend a little bit of time, and we do in the book, revisit its its past and see what really happened. Because what's interesting is during my research, it was very enlightening to see what was... Uh, the reaction of researchers or reporters in, say, in 1990 or 1992, talking to Steve Jobs, when a lot of what he was saying was, in their eyes, empty promises. So they would tend to be very dismissive. They, You look at the actual verbal interview, and then you look at what they would write about it, and there was just, it was like they were living in two very different worlds between what Steve was saying and what was being reported. But then when you go back from a later point in time, like we have today, and you go back and you see that what he promised he would do, he delivered. He laid out the steps crystal clear, even when he was all the way back at Next, for what he would do when he came back to Apple. It's just that nobody was able to pay attention. Okay, let's pay attention. We're going to have to split for a brief break before we go on. And a little bit later on the show, we'll be hearing first from Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy, from Macworld, and we'll also be hearing from Daniel Aaron Dilger, that cutting-edge commentator from Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. But at that point in time, what was Steve Jobs saying as the person who was in exile, the Apple co-founder in exile, said certain things about Apple, what it should be doing, and how did that compare with what he did and how Apple finally performed? Very complicated set of questions here. And Ben Kleber's The Man to Solve It. The book is called Anatomy of an Apple. We'll tell you a bit later how to get a copy. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. And the winner of fallback pricing is... You. The results are in from Freeze Dry Guys' You Be the Boss, Tell Us What You Want Us to Put on Sale campaign. 
after getting phone calls, emails, blog, and Facebook comments, nominating your favorite freeze-dried foods and dehydrated foods, you the people, you the bosses have spoken. We the staff at Freeze-Dry Guy have listened, as we've done since 1970. So now, one item and one entire line of food are on special sale until the end of October. The entire line of popular non-GMO and gluten-free foods are 20% off. The Family First Responders Kit, loaded with delicious freeze-dried foods like hearty beef stew, lasagna, and mouth-watering strawberries, is roughly 30% off. Go to freezedryguy.com. That's freezedryguy.com to order or call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD, and make your own deal. Thank you, boss. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. But don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA four-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3, 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, normally $26.95, now just $20. Herbalhealer.com also offers correspondence course to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click the Winter Specials button to save on our natural cold and flu-fighting products. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. Ben Kleber, author of Anatomy of an Apple, joins us. He's been observing Apple Incorporated for a long time. Okay, so you got my complicated and involved question, Ben about what Steve Jobs in exile was saying about Apple, what he actually did, and how it ended up. One of the things that immediately comes to mind, Jane, is uh, during the the lost interview, as it's called, he was asked about the difference. Uh, he, he was asked about the Lisa, for example. And one of the things he said was point blank. He had told them that a $10,000 computer was absolutely impossible 
financially for their channel, their distributors, for their customer base. He had raised all of these issues and simply didn't win the battle. He also pointed out, for example, that Apple was no longer really pursuing the elevation. They were trying to sell almost a commodity. And elevation being empowering the individual to do things with computing devices they never could do before. Exactly. I think one of the biggest mistakes is starting from a paradigm of looking at Apple as simply a corporation. Steve used a tremendous amount of analogies that were artistic. For example, he compared managing his team to managing the Beatles. He talked incessantly about the artistic uh, nature. And most of the people involved in the original Mac uh, would have been artists or poets or other things. For them, technology was just a medium. And that's very important when you look at something like the iPad. We see outside commentators continually look at it and uh, say, well, hey, this, this bare-bones interface, you, you're just tapping a little icon of a program. Why isn't Apple taking up the whole screen, like, uh, say, the Surface or the Windows 8 Metro model? Well, that's very easy because it's a canvas, and only an artist truly understands the value of a blank canvas. What they wanted to do was create a device capable of becoming anything. And in order to do that, you've got to get out of the way. That's a very different mindset than what you see in other companies that are trying to emphasize their technology, their contribution, rather than what the person's going to be able to use it for. And you go back in a time like 1985, I remember one case with Sean Lennon. Steve had given him a, a Macintosh for his birthday and demoed it. And he spent the entire party, birthday party of Sean Lennon in the room basically focusing on Sean Lennon. And other people and a reporter asked Steve, why are you spending your time with him instead of the adults? And Steve said, because when I give the computer or the Mac to a child, I get a different reaction. Adults say, what is it? A child says, what can I do with it? And I think that's a large part of the failure of people to understand Apple today. Most of what they're trying to do is get out of the way, enable you to utilize the technology in a way that benefits and empowers you. Let me give you an example of this in the current state okay, of Apple. iPhone 5S in my hand has a fingerprint sensor. It's on the home button. And to use it, you basically put your finger down there, and in about a second, it'll recognize it, a little bit less than a second, and it unlocks it. It's a pretty seamless process. I know they made it a little bit more efficient when they did the iOS 7.0.3 update, making it a little bit more accurate. Okay, but it works pretty well. Even Consumer Reports, which doesn't like Apple, said that the Touch ID works. Now, HTC says, okay, we're going to put a fingerprint sensor on our phone. And they stick it in the back underneath the camera, which is really a convenient place to put it. Now, I've heard of minimalist. I've heard of simplicity. But if you want someone to use a fingerprint sensor, wouldn't you put it where they're most likely going to put their finger when they start to use the device? Duh. And, and not to mention, it, Gene, that's an excellent example. I, I saw that HTC, and I just rolled on the floor laughing over their, their idea of putting a fingerprint sensor. Not to mention... One of the the big criticisms, everybody sort of came up with these bizarre scenarios where maybe you're eating some chicken and you've got barbecue on your fingers and you can't unlock your phone with that exact finger. What do you do? Well, the iPhone 
the sensor can handle some ridiculous number. I mean, you can you can enroll all ten fingers. You can enroll yours, your kids, your wife's, your husband's, and a couple different people if you want. And it does it seamlessly because it does it with RF. The HTC comes along, and because of that bizarre positioning, you have you can't really hold that phone and, and swipe. Most of you, you know, any of your other fingers comfortably, you're you're holding the phone at an angle, a 45 degree angle, basically your your fingers coming in at, but you need your finger to swipe vertically down the surface at a 90 degree angle. It doesn't seem that these companies are uh, being lapped because Apple is just moving at such light speed. It seems there's a phrase that I use in the book: "Spite has no spark." And it just seems like these companies don't have the humility and the hard craftsmanship ethic that's involved in sitting down and seriously solving problems instead of just sort of dismissing consumers like, oh, hey, we don't care how you use it. We're going to tell you the one scenario where it will work and you're going to do it our way. Well, that's funny because that's the criticism they make of Apple, that Apple wants you to do things their way it's a walled garden, you're restricted. But for most normal people, unless they have some pretty out there views on how to organize their computers or organize your smartphones and tablets, it just lets you do your stuff in a normal, easy fashion. And as you say, gets out of the way. And maybe that's also part of the minimalist design of iOS 7, which is also criticized. They said, well, Apple hasn't fixed the iOS. It's the same thing since 2007. Apple fixes it. It's not good enough. And then one publication, USA Today, came out with a story about iOS 7 being the most bug-ridden version of iOS ever. And their source is a consulting company that works for Google and Samsung. Uh, It's interesting. When when writing Anatomy of an Apple, the lesson Steve taught us, my colleague, uh, Loria, that helped me edit and uh, write everything. She came in from a very outsider perspective. She actually didn't uh, let me in on this until the end of the book. It was quite interesting. Uh, She had never heard Steve Jobs speak. She had never watched an Apple uh, unveiling uh, product announcement, none of it. What that did is it kind of brought an outside perspective to everything that we talked about in the book. We actually very quickly realized we needed to devote two full chapters just to debunking this sort of nonsense. I mean, when you really look at the articles, you see these crazy headlines, you take a moment to dig to the source, and just as in your example, it's some bizarre consultant that you've never heard of, and half the time, if you follow the paper trail, it turns out to be a PR firm or a client of one of Apple's competitors. Now, in looking at this, did you find other instances the one I'm mentioning is a blatant example, Daniel Aaron Dilger, who's going to be on the show later in our session. He brought that to bear in Apple Insider. Did you find any other examples where the criticism of Apple that was being accepted by the media came with someone with an axe to grind? I mean, in politics, if you ask a Republican about something that's a Democratic issue, of course, they'll find something wrong with it. Exactly. I mean, we found so many examples that we have an entire chapter, uh, it's actually chapter six, credibility versus incredibility. Some of them want to create a image against Apple because they're, they basically have their living from the Windows world and they view it sort of as a threat. A lot of times, one of the biggest giveaways 
is if you just take the same sentence and you replace Apple with Microsoft and you say it out loud, if it doesn't sound right or if it's something that you would never, ever see in print, it's kind of a giveaway that something's not quite right there. For example, Microsoft can get away with 97% market domination. You never hear one word from the press about how this must be an impending doom. It must be falling any moment. You simply cannot manage to dominate a market. It's treated as an endless hegemony. We'll have more on the other side of the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these specials. A 14 by 21 foot shop for under 6000 or a 50 by 100 for under 30000 You heard right. That's 5000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. You have all seen and heard about the elements of the periodic table. 
These elements are the building blocks of everything in the universe. You, my friends, are made from these elements. A shortage of any of these important trace elements can lead to disease. Go with the science and take the Lady Talk Health Challenge and get all 90 essential trace elements with a healthy start pack at LadyTalkLive.com or call 855-333-LADY. That's 855-333-5239. Research shows it's not just what you put in your body that counts, it's what you put on it as well. Why not use an all-natural, healthy, mineral-based makeup that actually benefits your skin? Once you experience the airiness and flawless coverage of Longevity Mineral Makeup, you will never use anything else. With Longevity, the perception of your complexion will be natural perfection. Animal-friendly mineral makeup at Mary Lou Health. That's M-A-R-I-L-U-Health.com. Or call 855-321-HEALTH. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Ben Kleber joining us. He's author of Anatomy of an Apple, and he has a very good set of astute observations about Apple. So it's a matter of the double standard that's playing out here, is that we expect Microsoft to have 90% of the market, and that's okay. Microsoft can have 90% of the market. That's fine. But if Apple has a high proportion of the market, they got to lose it tomorrow because they're a screwed-up company. Exactly. It's almost as though anything Apple does that's a success is treated like they are upending the laws of nature by doing so. Apple does not have a right to be successful. Yeah, there's there's an implied, uh, almost that they must be apologetic for it at all times. And I just, as a small business owner for for well over a decade myself, I just don't see that. What I see is a guy who is very committed to certain set of values. I see a company that made some great decisions that benefited, and overwhelmingly, they fought for their consumers. They fought for their consumers, for example, with the iTunes store. One of the largest things that they don't get anywhere near enough credit. Look at what the alternatives offered. Uh, companies such as Sony wouldn't allow you, you know, their, their stores would not allow you to have anywhere near the same freedom of rights as what iTunes had negotiated. And in fact, Apple fought for years when the music companies didn't even want you to be able to re-download the music you had purchased even with digital rights management through iTunes. Say you got a new computer, say your hard drive crashed, uh, whatever. The music companies had a stand that said, you don't even own what you bought, and you should pay us twice for it. Well, here comes Apple saying, "Uh, nobody, I I don't agree with that. And I think that's a very underappreciated quality of the company in what they do. They try to enforce logic, which is very difficult. Uh, Yeah, they do try to enforce a certain logic in what they do, and... Honestly, Apple seems to be a bit of a Rorschach test for people. It seems like they look into the same set of information, same set of facts, and they reach conclusions that are more based on themselves than on what the company is actually doing. Most of the time, Apple has really stepped up to the plate for consumer rights and for developer rights at the same time and struck a very interesting balance between the two. No, I understand perfectly well. 
but it's unfortunate that other people don't understand very well. In doing your research over all these years of Apple, did you get a chance to talk to former people who worked at the company? Because people who are there now are not going to tell you anything. Well, it's sort of like you, you have an immediately tainted jury pool with that situation. Apple being so notoriously closed-lipped, and then the only people who are willing to talk on the record are people who are clearly not fond of Apple anymore and have decided to go their own way. And many of them are blatantly violating their non-disclosure agreements that they were under. To me, that kind of speaks more of their integrity or lack thereof than anything. So we chose a different approach. I basically, in writing Anatomy of an Apple, we chose a forensics approach. We, I literally watched, uh, for example, every single interview, say, Steve Wozniak gave over 20 years. And it's interesting that when you just take a piece of paper and you write down what the same person said in 1978 or 1979, and then in 82, and then 87, and so on, they've changed their story so many times it's almost dizzying. John Scully is another individual, for example. The facts, when you cross-examine what other people involved have contributed to the record in various interviews, various uh, documented for example, events or interviews, it really kind of indicates where the truth lies. But you have to be willing to do that and subject them to a cross-examination. And many times, they wouldn't do that if you were directly interviewing them. Well, in a case like this, of course, how do you investigate and find out what's going on at Apple? Most of what we look into is what Apple has done over the last, uh, say, basically we started 1996 and moved forward with the comeback and their return. Most of what they did was very thoroughly examined by a million different people, different interviews, different publications. And what we looked for were areas where either the events don't line up with each other where a truth can be determined. For example, I'll give you a, a classic one. Steve Jobs parking in a handicap parking spot. I'm sure you've heard this story a million times, Steve, right, right? Right, Okay. I looked at this. It's even in the film. They, they even referenced it. And small fact that nobody ever mentions, including Isaacson. Did you know that in the early, mid-'80s, uh, Steve Wozniak called the cops on Steve Jobs over that parking in that handicap spot. He pretended to be, he left uh, the name with the cops as Andy Hertzfield. So the police came out, they looked at the spot, and they said, we can't ticket him. This is absolutely not a legally marked handicap spot. Steve was right the entire time. And when you go back and you look at Steve's career, all the way from being a little kid, I mean, he was always a prankster, a trickster. He wired up his parents' home uh, when he learned that speakers could be turned into microphones. He wired up his parents' home so that he could listen in, and he got in trouble when they found out he was listening in on their bedroom and had to dismantle it. This is a guy who's always kind of tweaked his nose a little bit in the facts. Things like uh, his plates. It turned out. California has a simple law. No, you don't need plates as long as the vehicle is within a certain, like it's basically never older than six months, whatever the deal is. So Steve negotiated with his leasing company. So he would always get the exact same car in six month interviews and intervals. And it was always brand new. 
he could just keep trading it in. And of course, if you have a couple of billion dollars to throw out, it doesn't matter. Well, I think it actually had more to do with sort of tweaking the nose of authority and kind of telling people, hey, there's more going on here than just doing what you're told. And there was sort of a counterculture element to him. But that's a whole lot different than presenting that as a man who was so arrogant and disdained everybody and felt he could park in the handicapped spot and just thought he was uh, some sort of god over people. I mean, come on. Those facts are completely different from each other when you put them all on the table. Well, you always find here that the excesses of a person, especially someone in the public eye, is going to be magnified. They're going to be magnified. So the good things he does become spectacular things. The bad things he does make him into a horror show. And yeah, he was quite emotional. I've met him a few times. You know, he would cry if he heard you say that. Yeah, but (laughs) he was a very emotional guy. He was moody. Okay, that's fine. And maybe he shouldn't have eaten apples for a full year and without anything else. But the fact that he got pancreatic cancer is the luck of the draw. It's not because his diet was screwy as a kid. Exactly. A lot of people, when they're young, have screwy diets. And, and you know, that's the thing is, in looking at the other books, a lot of them focused, in my opinion, too much on his private life and his personal life. There are very few areas where we really bring that in to play in Anatomy of an Apple, because what I'm concerned with is what did he do in the public sphere? What did he do in ways that affected his employees? Um, one of the things we did was go back and look at what each and every one of his uh, inter- or, uh, employees at Next, for example, had to say about him. Even people who, uh, there was one woman, I think it's, uh, her name's Joanna, if I remember correctly. Uh, she got so angry because Steve had, had tweaked some numbers or something. She didn't feel it represented uh, her conclusions in a report properly. And she came through his offices screaming she was going to drive a a knife through his heart or something like that. And that tale gets a tremendous amount of play. What doesn't get a lot of play is the same woman tells you later how she could literally yell right in Steve's face, tell him off, hang up on him. If If he called her and upset her, she could hang up on him, call him back. And he backed right now. He basically, uh, for example, she talks about, uh, and we talk about this in the book, she uses an example where she walked up and it was all theater. Well, you see, that's part of it there. He wants people to have the coverage. In short, he wanted people not to be shrinking violets, not to be afraid to debate him and say, you know what, you're wrong. Here's what's really going on. The book is called Anatomy of an Apple. Ben, where do we get a copy? It's on sale on iTunes, it's on sale on uh, Amazon, Google Book Play, and uh, Kobo Books, and many more. Anatomy of an Apple, from Ben Kleber. Ben, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you, Gene, for having me. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Can heart and body extract help with other ailments besides heart conditions, high blood pressure, clogged arteries, or unbalanced cholesterol? It did for Karen. I've been using heart and body extract for approximately two weeks. I've had an earwax buildup problem for many years, with over-the-counter stuff not working at all. I had very poor hearing due to this earwax buildup. Well, after two weeks of taking heart and body extract, my earwax buildup almost completely cleared up. Could this be the effect of better body circulation? Heart and body extract is an effective 100% organic nutritional supplement specially formulated to allow your body to heal itself. My hearing is almost completely back to normal. I'm amazed. Order by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for long and healthy life. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. The iTunes guy himself, Kirk McElhern, joins us. I don't know, Kirk, if you remember this, but some weeks back, I suggested on the show that Apple might consider making Mavericks a free update. And I gave some very cogent reasons for it. Now, I don't say I always predict what Apple's going to do, but I was one of the few people in the media to make that statement. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that, Gene, because I remember very clearly that we had this discussion a couple of months ago, and I said that I thought Mavericks going to be free, and I don't really think you agreed with me at the time. Um, lots of every, most of the people I talked to um, when I suggested that Mavericks would be free thought it was a ridiculous idea. Let me correct that before we go on. That is, yes, I was pushing for that, and I was suggesting that they would make it free. And I even, if you look at my columns at TechNightOut.com, I was advocating for that. I was even suggesting last year they do it. But I'm glad you joined me because how does it feel to be in a little box where it's just you and I, and sometimes I have my doubts about you? You know, I was, I was actually thinking um, a couple of days before the presentation of writing something on my blog saying why I think Mavericks should be free. And then I figured, oh, people are going to say I'm stupid, so I'm not going to waste my time. See? Um, I should go with my instincts, shouldn't I? Um, but, you know, free, you mentioned something about they could charge a piddling amount, but it doesn't really matter if it's a piddling amount um, 
Apple charges piddling amounts for things all the time. You know, 10 bucks for an album from the iTunes store. If Mavericks wasn't free, maybe it would be 10 bucks because Mountain Lion was $20. Well, you know, um, the one thing we want to emphasize here is the advantage to Apple of making a West Ten free. I'm sure there's a lot of savings in the fact that they don't have to sell it. But since they're selling it only electronically, there might not be as many savings as that. On the other hand, you've got to get free copies to people who bought a Mac in the last 30 days or whatever the cutoff date is. I think the advantage to Apple is more that they're getting more people running Mavericks and they're going to have less problems with support. There's always going to be people running Tiger, maybe even Panther or Leopard or whatever. But if you've got the majority of people running the latest OS, you don't have to train as many people to support the older OSs. And that seems to make a lot of sense um, because I'm sure that, you know, they're only supporting the OS for 90 days if you buy a new Mac. But anyone who has Apple Care is probably going to be calling in for support for a longer period of time. And also the advantage here is back to the up-to-date program and having to have this infrastructure there to handle the orders, determine if you really and truly are eligible, and then dealing with the exceptions. Because the exceptions always arise where people will say, no, 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 the sales slip is wrong. I didn't get this computer till you know, the 1st of October or whatever. And therefore, even though it says it shipped it on September 14th, well, it got lost in the mail or it was stuck at the UPS store or something. I didn't pick it up. So therefore, I'm not responsible. It's the one-armed man. Well, they're cutting out a lot of friction here. And it's not only for, for the OS itself, but for all of the other apps that they've made free. You know, it's not like Apple necessarily needs that money. I, I don't know how much they make from a $20 sale of OS ten, but it's not like that's going to make a big difference to their bank account. But, you know, the big issue to consider, of course, is the fact that it really costs them next to nothing in terms of selling it because it's just another item on their online store. The cost, of course, is developing OS X, which could probably cost a couple of hundred million dollars. It's not like Microsoft, where they spend $4 billion on everything. I think Apple's reasoning here is that they're selling a product package. They're selling a computer, and the reason people buy that computer is in part because of the computer itself, the MacBook Air being light and slim and all that, but in large part because of the software. I think... There's a lot more logic in Apple giving away an OS to make sure that everyone using Macs who can update to this OS has updated and can therefore buy more apps um, than to keep people in different tiers of those who update and those who don't. I, I think we see it in the iOS market where updates have been free if I'm not mistaken, with the exception of iTunes, with, with the iPod Touch update in the early days of iOS, updates have always been free. You get a higher rate of people running the latest update, which means that they can buy more apps that require the latest version of the OS. It certainly eliminates fragmentation. Also notice that Apple made Mavericks compatible with essentially every Mac that could run Mountain Lion. Yeah, I think I saw something on the today that they were recording this that said nine out of ten existing Macs can run it. In other words, the the ones that people are actually using today. So it goes back quite a few years. It's kind of interesting because we've seen 
in previous versions of, of OS X or when it was called Mac OS X, that it would only go back a couple of years and there would even be certain models that wouldn't be compatible just three years prior to the new version. Um, so this is really good that pretty much everyone can update. I mean, there's still people running Tiger out there, I'm sure. Um, but those people aren't the ones that interest Apple. They're not going to be buying apps. So I think it's really good that everyone has a more modern version of DOS. It probably means less support from Apple. It probably means that they're going to sell more apps. And it means that everyone's seeing the same features that Apple's touting. Um, and, of course, it means that there's a lot more um, coherence when you consider OS X and iOS, that we're getting a lot more um, crossover between the two platforms. Look at the iWork apps, for example. Now, as an example of this, supposedly after 24 hours, if you can believe these web metrics, one out of 18 Mac users had already upgraded to Mavericks. That's within 24 hours. You'll get a better picture, say, after a week or perhaps when Apple does their quarterly conference call with financial analysts, they'll be asked about the Mavericks adoption curve. And you contrast that to the situation that exists in Windows, where right now the number two most popular Windows operating system is Windows XP. Number one is Windows 7, and I think three is Windows 8, because more and more people gave up on Vista. And that's pathetic, because Windows 8 has been out for a year now. Well, it's obviously the cost that makes a difference. Well, there's two things on the PC side. It's the cost and it's the compatibility. Um, depending on who put together your PC, you may not be able to upgrade uh, more than a couple of years after you got the PC. It's, it's a lot more complicated. Um, but the cost is, is obviously prohibitive. I, I don't know what the upgrade costs are now. Are they like $200 to buy Windows 8? Um, I haven't looked in ages. I'm still running XP. I have a I have a uh, a virtual machine that I use to look at iTunes for Windows every once in a while. Running under, um, I have a virtual machine that I use um, to check out iTunes for Windows every once in a while uh, using VMware Fusion. And I just left it at XP because it doesn't matter, and I don't really need to pay the cost of Windows upgrades for something that I'm going to launch three times a year. Not worth it even for Windows 7 unless you get Microsoft to send you a copy. But right now, the standard price for a Windows 8 upgrade, this is to an individual consumer, is $199. That's what Apple was showing when yeah. you saw the demonstration where Apple yeah. was announcing that Mavericks would be free. This is what you pay for Windows 8. Now, when Windows 8 first came out last year, they did have a $39.99 special for a downloadable version until, like, January 31st of this year. Uh-huh. So they did have that. I did, so I they did sort of, they did kind of sort of recognize that there was a need to get an early adoption curve going and get as many people as possible to do the upgrade. So that I understand perfectly well. But what Apple has done is, like, drive a stake through Microsoft's heart, and not just with the operating system upgrade. So we know Mavericks is free. This will mean that anyone using Lion or Mountain Lion will probably upgrade very quickly, not so much people using Snow Leopard. We've got more to come, though, because we have Kirk McElhern. At Macworld, he's known as the iTunes guy. I think we're going to change that to the iTunes person to be politically correct in case a female replaces you someday in the future. 
And coming up a little bit later in the show, we'll be joined by Daniel Aaron Dilger of Apple Insider. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. We travel so much, and having a fake TV, well, it gives added peace of mind. Burglars look for houses that appear to be easy targets, but fake TV can fool even professional burglars into thinking someone is home watching television. As a recent widow living alone, it gives me great peace of mind to set my fake TV near a window and know that passing motorists and pedestrians will think someone is home watching TV when I'm actually away from home. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet, just like a light on a timer. And they're so easy to use, you just plug them in and they're ready to go. Plus, they're so affordable that we have one upstairs and downstairs. Fake TV is only $29.95 with free shipping. Order your fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. My name is Josh. One World Way is the best in the market, hands down. I'm in the U.S. Navy, and I live a very active lifestyle. Being a vegetarian, it's hard getting all the protein I need. I tried the vegan protein powders, and I just wasn't feeling any change. The Meathead Supplement Store whey protein kind of worked for a bit, but it left me feeling bloated, and my digestion seemed to slow down. By some divine stroke of luck, I heard a commercial of One World Way on the radio, and it struck my interest. I have to tell you, I am so glad I got it. I have been taking it for a week, and the results are amazing. I don't feel tired when I have to get up at 4.30 a.m. I look and feel better. I recover faster from my two workouts a day. 
when I don't have time to eat good food, I take it and I don't feel the urge to stuff my face for hours. I got up this morning and I looked the leanest I've looked since high school. I can go on and on. The best I can do to repay you is buy more and tell my friends. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWHEY.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Kirk McElhern joins us. He's the iTunes guy for Macworld. He said nothing, by the way, when I said that to be politically correct, they would have to eventually call him the iTunes person. Well, I'm fine with that if they want to do that. But, you know, they decided on the iTunes guy. And I have no plans to change my sex anytime soon. So as long as I'm the one writing the column, I think it'll be okay. All right, we'll go for that. I mean, if my wife wants to take over and write the column instead, but then she's not an iTunes expert, I don't think, but she's very good at the iPad. Okay, so Mavericks is free, and I expect, as you do, we'll see some very quick early adoption. What I did not expect was to see iLife and iWork become free. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because what actually happened is at odds with what they said during the presentation um if you remember when they're talking about i i work there was a little there was a you know the, the screen behind i don't remember whether it was tim cook or phil shore talking about it and a little text under the icon or whatever that said free for the purchase with the purchase of a new mac or ios device and when people started checking in the Mac App Store app, they saw that they were getting free upgrades even if they hadn't purchased a new device. Um, I bought iWork back in, what, 2008 when iWork 2009 came out. Uh, I didn't expect that it was going to be free, but they were all free. Um, iLife, I've essentially always gotten with a new Mac because, you know, I have two Macs and I pretty much buy one every couple of years. But I think it makes a lot of sense that they just get rid of the pricing for all this. And we'll certainly talk about the negative connotations this has for other developers. But as far as Apple's concerned, they want people to use this stuff. Um, We see that GarageBand has in-app purchases, and you could expect that the other apps are going to move to that soon, to the sort of freemium model. It just makes sense that Apple get as many people using their products as possible. Now, One thing this does suggest is that they're banking on people paying for iCloud storage. So with the iWork apps, you can store your files in the cloud with iCloud, and you only get five gigs for free, which, depending on what kind of files you create with these apps, might not be enough. So maybe that's where they're hoping to make money from people you know, using Keynote and Pages and Numbers, um, paying for more storage space in iCloud. But that money that people will be paying won't compensate the difference in what they would have gotten uh, by selling the apps. But you see where Apple is doing here. They're almost going back to the original Mac. The first Mac came with a word processor and a drawing program, Mac Paint. Not for very long, but, you know, originally. And now we have to look at where Apple is now. You buy a new Mac, 
you're a brand new Mac user, you're already getting the word processor, you're getting the spreadsheet, you're getting the presentation app, all of which are fairly compatible with Office. So you're getting Office-compatible software. Not as powerful with all the extra bells and whistles, but they do a lot. But for most people, it's sufficient. And that's a... It's a big shot across Microsoft's bow. Yes, and more to the point here, they are a lot better in a lot of ways. Like Pages used to be a bit of a slug, as far as I'm concerned. Slow to launch, slow to open a document. Now it's instantaneous. It's really a lot better. As far as, obviously, the iLife apps, well, they came with new Macs anyway, so it's not so big a deal. And as you say, it's a big shot across Microsoft's bow, because Microsoft earns most of their money from what? Office and the OS. Microsoft obviously is a software company trying to be a hardware company. But now you look at what's happening here, where, yes, Macs may be considered as more expensive, although they cut the price on the MacBook Pro with Retina displays by $200 each. But they're pointing to a value proposition. They're saying that for a normal number of years, you won't have to pay for OS upgrades. You'll get free Office-type software. You'll get your iPhoto and your GarageBand. It's going to be free. You'll get the free updates. You can basically take that computer, set it up, use the Windows Migration Assistant, and for most people out there, never buy anything else. And when you want to buy software, it's in the App Store and it's not very expensive. Even Apple is charging very little for state-of-the-art, professional audio editing and video editing software. Yeah, as you said before, um, the iLife stuff has always been free, although there have been upgrades that weren't free. Um, So if you bought a new Mac, you'd get the stuff for free, but then when a new version came out, you'd have to buy it. Um, It's always been a selling point that iLife was free. It's always been a selling point that the iLife apps are free, and it's something that Apple's always highlighted. And I find it interesting now that they've added the productivity apps, um, which are free both for the Mac and iOS, which is, as you say, it's making you can buy a Mac and get these free apps, and you really won't need any other apps unless you have very specific needs. You, you might need an image editor. You might need, um, as you say, audio or video software that does things that iMovie and GarageBand don't do. But for the most part, you've got a setup um, that's going to do what you want. You know, you think of a retired person, a student, um, they're going to be pretty compatible with this. They're going to have Office-compatible apps. They're going to have the iLife apps, and they'll have a, a pretty solid um, suite of apps with a new Mac just, you know, literally for free. It's a heck of a package. And also the thing that impressed me is, as I said, you've got a Mac that will not need to be cost you more. You won't have to buy the virus protection software, although maybe things will reach to a point that you will. You don't have to pay for extra software or office updates or OS updates. You can always stay current at least for three, four, five years. Now, with regard to iWork, it's a bit questionable because I had this situation where iMovie wasn't updating. And they said, wait 
or buy iMovie for $14.99, but they wouldn't give me a refund. But ultimately, there's some problems with the App Store, especially if you're using an older version of iMovie or Pages. The immediate version, like iWork09, iLife11, should update okay. It's going to take a while to support some of the older versions. But it looks like Apple's really trying to make sure every Mac user has the latest versions. But then we look at Microsoft. What is Microsoft going to do about this? They can't make Office free. They could cut the price of Windows 8 again to get people to buy it because people don't care about buying it. But remember also, Microsoft makes most of their money from Windows OEM contracts. That means the computer maker pays Microsoft, but it's not $199. It's like, what, $40? We'll figure that out and talk about this in more detail in our next segment. We have Kirk McElhern. He is the one and only iTunes guy for Macworld. We'll be back on the other side of the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Nutritious food is real body armor. It builds muscle, burns fat, improves digestion, and feeds the entire body the nutrients it needs. Did you know the U.S. government banned the hemp plant from growing in the United States and classified it as a Schedule One drug to hide it behind the marijuana plant? People have been confused about this plant for over 80 years, and many still don't know what hemp is. So now you know hemp is not marijuana, and marijuana is not hemp. They are different varieties of the same species. Hemp you 
HempUSA.org wants the world to know these basic facts and to help people understand that hemp protein powder is the best-kept health secret you need to know about. Remember, hemp protein powder contains 53% protein, is gluten-free, anti-inflammatory, non-GMO, and is loaded with nutrients. Call 888-910-4367, 888-910-4367, and see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you only at HempUSA.org. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. <coughs> but don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA four-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3, 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain. Normally $26.95, now just $20. Herbalhealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit Herbalhealer.com and click the Winter Specials button to save on our natural cold and flu-fighting products. Herbalhealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. On the other side of the Tech Night Isle Live, we've got Kirk McElhern continuing with us. So, the conundrum from Microsoft. What do they do? Since Microsoft isn't a hardware company, and again, we're not counting the, the mice and the keyboards and, and the Surface tablet that no one seems to be buying, they can't, they can't lower the prices too much. Um, Apple's put them in a tough position. What will they do? They're going to have to reinvent themselves. Either they're going to have to start making hardware or they're going to have to find another model, maybe another business model, maybe a freemium model where you get Microsoft Word, just as one example, you get a basic version of it. And if there are advanced features you want, then you need to pay for it. Let's say you need things like mail merge and change tracking. The thing that most people don't use, you'll have to pay for them. I can just see the way Microsoft would do this. And you get these complicated menus with 87 different possibilities with packages of features you could add, and it'll be a mess. Um, do you remember, I think it was Windows um, Office 2003, for Windows that had this really weird thing where it would install most of the app, but not all of it. And when you wanted to use certain features, you would have to install them later. It was really confusing. Um, well, Microsoft has never understood Simple. They do not no, even remotely comprehend what Simple is about. I think we need to understand that Microsoft is mostly making software for companies and not for individuals. And companies need to have granular installation configurations. And I think that's what keeps Microsoft in the direction of complication. Um, but wh whatever the case, they're going to have to figure out a way to compete. Now, they've still got the business market locked up. Companies are still going to be buying Microsoft Office. It's the individuals who aren't. And a lot of individuals who needed Microsoft Office would either get it from the Pirate Bay, or they'd get a student version of it, which was cheaper. 
So maybe what Microsoft needs to do is make an office light and you either pay more for individual features or you pay more to upgrade it to you know, a full-featured version. I don't know. Um, I'm sure that they're all scratching their heads there. I expected, as we said earlier, I expected Apple to make Mavericks free, but I didn't expect the other apps to be free. Um, and I think this is going to have a big effect in the software industry. Now, of course, the other question is, I've talked to a number of independent app developers who said, you know, how can we argue now that our $10 app is worth $10 when it's $10 more than the operating system it runs on? Um, the perceived value of something is in part due to its intrinsic value of what it does for you, but it's also in part a comparison compared to the price you've paid for something else. Well, it's going to be a really complicated situation for Microsoft, although right now they're doing fairly well. Their financials for the past quarter are pretty decent. Well, that may be, but that's the past quarter, and now this is the quarter of free. It's interesting to note that Apple can't go back on free ever. No, this uh, is a one-way street, and I yeah. am sure they knew that. I am sure when Tim Cook said, yeah, let's make it free. Although I saw the interview with him in one of the publications, and he was asked, well, what do you think the impact is going to be? And he said, you know what, I'm not really sure in so many words that they're doing well, this they're not, not, sure. knowing, not knowing 100% how it might affect income, but they're going to do it. Yeah, they can't be sure. They can't be sure of anything like this. This is a major, major change. But it's the most interesting thing, in my opinion, that we've seen in the tech industry in a decade. It is for the first time in a long time where a company says, you know what, we're not just going to make it cheaper. We're going to make it free. Yeah. So, you know, we'll just have to see what happens. Again, I feel a little bit of the pain that indie app developers are having. But in a way, you can look at that as a freemium thing. So you get the OS for free, and if you want the features that you get in third-party apps, you got to pay for them. Um, there's a logic there, too. Well, the key here is Apple has already done that in terms of the free OS with the iOS. That's been free. Of course, Apple has a bigger advantage there, which is that most of the people who use competing smartphones, it doesn't matter if the OS upgrade is free, they'll never be able to get it. You know, I think I think one of the main reasons that Apple has the iOS updates for free from the beginning is for support. It makes it a lot easier when you know that the vast majority of your users are running the same operating system. It makes it a lot easier to train the people who are doing support. And that could be part of the reason for Mavericks being free as well. There's always going to be people running older OSs, but they're a smaller and smaller percentage. Um, maybe the amount of money they save on support and setup, you know, when people buy new Macs or, or people who have Apple Care contracts, maybe that alone is worth the difference um, in, in what they would have earned from selling the OS. I think here just getting more people encouraged to buy a Mac, especially now at a time when PC sales are going down, Mac sales are flat. So how do you to use the term, goose the platform. How do you boost the platform to a point where now people can be more encouraged to buy Macs again? And one way is to make them cheaper, as they've done with the MacBook Pro with Retina displays. The other way is to say, okay, OS upgrades are free. That saves you that amount of money. A pretty decent Office-compatible application suite is free. 
So it's the value proposition where Apple looks at something and says, you know what, how do we keep the Mac platform moving? How do we unify it? And so they've made increases in productivity for Mavericks, which we can go into, and they've made these things free. And the reason I say increases in productivity, you're seeing now that Apple claims up to one hour more battery life on the most recent MacBook Air. But the fellow who reviewed Mavericks for Ars Technica, he got a 30% improvement. Apple's always been very good about that, whereas some hardware manufacturers will take the best stats they've always had, they've ever had, um, in that kind of test. Apple's always gone in the other direction to make sure that they can't be accused of over, um, you know, overselling something like that. So... Um, everyone uses their computer in a different way. So you can't guarantee that someone's going to get a certain amount of battery life. So you want to say you're going to get at least this much um, for the for the heavy user situation. And then the people who get more, more power to them. I think what you're also seeing here is that unlike everybody else, unlike Microsoft, Apple went back into the operating system and said, what could we do to make it more efficient? They've got really great battery life on their notebooks. Let's make it better. What could we do to get more performance? And they've got this memory compression where they're talking of a four gigabyte Mac acting like a six gigabyte Mac. It reminds me of Ram Doubler in the 90s. Yeah, we talked about that a couple months ago when, sure. when they announced this. Um, we discussed Ram Doubler. Um, I think we've got to, and of course Apple realizes it, but we've got to realize that we've reached a point of, there's not much you can add to an operating system. There's not much you can add to anything right now. Um, You know, we we saw it, and and I know we've discussed this over the years, we saw it um, in the iPod. The iPod sort of got to a pinnacle um, when it, could handle music and videos and photos and all that. Um, with the iPod Touch, it handles apps, and there's no place to go in the iPod. Notice that Apple really hasn't done anything with the iPod this year at all uh, in terms of updates. Um, we're seeing it with the iPhone and the iPad. We're seeing it with the, the, the computer. There's not a lot you can do. You don't need faster anymore. Um, computers are fast enough for almost everyone, with the exception of the handful of people who are going to buy a Mac Pro who do film editing and audio editing and things like that. Um, what can you do? Uh, mo- more people are buying laptops, so you want to improve. You want to make your laptop more enticing, and a good way to do it is to say, hey, better battery life, because it's always a pain to have to plug in your laptop to charge it. We're going to have um, to plug this in before we go on. Kirk plug Michael in some advertisements here. Kirk McElhern joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com 
That's A2, that's number two, A2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. And the winner of fallback pricing is... You. The results are in from Freeze Dry Guy's You Be the Boss, Tell Us What You Want Us to Put on Sale campaign. After getting phone calls, emails, blog, and Facebook comments, nominating your favorite freeze-dried foods and dehydrated foods, you the people, you the bosses have spoken. We the staff at Freeze Dry Guy have listened, as we've done since 1970. So now, one item and one entire line of food are on special sale until the end of October. The entire line of popular non-GMO and gluten-free foods are 20% off. The Family First Responders Kit, loaded with delicious freeze-dried foods like hearty beef stew, lasagna, and mouth-watering strawberries, is roughly 30% off. Go to freezedryguy.com. That's freezedryguy.com to order or call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD, and make your own deal. Thank you, boss. Is there such a thing as gluten-free emergency kits? Yes. And for celiacs, there is no other than glutenfreeemergencykits.com. If you or a loved one has celiac disease, you need a gluten-free emergency kit to survive. Our kits are natural, non-GMO, low-sodium, low-cholesterol, soy-free, contain no artificial colors or MSG, and carry the celiac spruce seal of approval. Now get our March Grab-and-Go Bucket Special for only $29.99 at glutenfreeemergencykits.com. Glutenfreeemergencykits.com. Better foods, better living. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. You're fired. According to the Small Business Administration, 75% of small businesses plan to eliminate jobs or reduce workers' hours to part-time. You're fired. According to Gallup, the unemployment rate recently jumped to nearly 9%, and the underemployment rate hit a staggering 17.9%. You're fired. One out of three young adults and one out of two recent college graduates are underemployed. Hello, I'm Keith Abel, a pharmacist and a home business entrepreneur. In 2011, I became one of those statistics myself. Instead of looking for another job in corporate America, I joined Dr. Joel Wallet, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. We're creating steady incomes for ourselves and would like to show you how to do the same. If you want to supplement your current income, replace your income so you don't have to become one of the statistics, then give me a call toll-free at 866-257-3105. 866-257-3105. You're fired. Don't wait till you hear those words. Start creating an extra income today. 866-257-3105. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. Kirk McElhern joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. We're in the Tech Night Isle live. In our next segment, Daniel Aaron Dilger, 
of Roughly Drafted Magazine, Apple Insider, and he'll get into more of the platform wars from a very highly technical standpoint. Okay, so you got Mavericks on there like you and I. We've been running it forever and ever and ever. So what's your assessment? To be very honest, I haven't noticed much of a difference. Uh, with the exception of tabs in the Finder, so as you say, we've been running it for forever because we have developer accounts. So we got the first developer preview. What was it in June or July? And we've been running it since then through the different betas. Um, obviously, there's some things that look a little different. There's the maps and the iBooks apps and all that. But in everyday use, I'm not seeing a difference. The apps I use the most, Mail, Safari, Messages, they haven't changed much iTunes obviously changed with iTunes 11. That's not really related to Mavericks itself. It's just some incremental changes that make some things better. And it's, you know, they tout 200 new features and I'm sure they're there, but I'm just not seeing a lot of them. I've got 16 gigs of RAM. I'm, my main Mac is a Mac Mini and I've got 16 gigs of RAM, so I'm not going to see memory compression very often. I haven't seen, I haven't used my laptop enough yet, but the battery life doesn't look any better to me. Uh, I was using it the other day for a couple hours and I noticed I had three and a half hours left and they were talking, I've got a, an early 2013 MacBook Pro, which should get seven or eight hours of batteries, but I haven't really tested this um, to know, you know how long it's going to be. I'm just not seeing a big difference in it. It's, it's uh, um, as we're talking, I'm looking on the Apple website and there's all sorts of things. So, okay, there's a new look for contacts and calendars. Um, dictations changed a little bit. There's Finder tabs, which is great. Finder tags, which I don't think I'm going to really use. Um, iBooks is new. Um, iCloud keychain is interesting. Mail... I don't see anything that's changed in mail. Maps is interesting. Um, I don't mail does have displays. one feature I notice, which is interesting, which is, of course, you have settings in mail for how often you want it to check your mail, to fetch your email. Right. And if you look at the timers, now I used to always have it set for five minutes. I thought one minute was ridiculous. But now yep. there's a setting for automatically. Automatically. And I don't know what that means. Does that just mean push? Well, it's halfway. There's a feature in the IMAP standard, if you're using IMAP mail, called idle. Yeah. And idle means that when email comes to the server, if you set idle, it's basically keeping your computer or whatever you're retrieving your email from connected to the server and it picks it up. So it's kind of a halfway bridge between push and where it is well, now. Okay, so I'm looking at um, Mail's uh, preferences, and if you have an IMAP account, it's still got a, an option that you can check or uncheck that, that was there before. Use idle command if the server su supports it. That, that's practically every server supports that now. I'm not even sure there are many that don't. So I, that's always there, and it's left on by default. So I was right. Assuming on. you have IMAP, and there might still be some people doing using Pop, um, which I'm not sure. Well, they um, should go Pop if they don't switch to IMAP, <laughs> because more and um, more services are allowing it. Microsoft has added IMAP support for their Outlook email system, the service formerly known as Hotmail. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. There you go. 
but I haven't noticed the difference in terms of mail with that setting, which went to automatic. I didn't put it there. Um, that seems to be the, the default setting. Um, one thing that I'll point out that I do like and don't like. So I like this new Safari sidebar. Um, I like the way reading list works and all that. But I'll tell you something that I find totally useless. It's the shared links thing. If you've got a Twitter account, um, it's going to suck up every link that anyone shares that you follow on Twitter. Now, there are so many of them that I'm looking at the list now that it's totally useless. I just can't, you know, th there's no way that I can check the ones I want to keep or not. It just piles them up. And I, I follow a few hundred people on Twitter, which since I'm a journalist, you know, there are app developers I follow and websites that I follow. Um, but I don't need all of this. So this is just totally useless for me. It would be good for sort of average users who, who follow 20 people on Twitter. Um, but even then, I'm just not sure. If you follow a website like Macworld, they're going to tweet about 20 or 30 links a day. Um, do you really need to have that in a thing in Safari when your Twitter client lets you click on a link and open it? There's another feature, of course, which is push notifications for Safari. So a web designer can basically register the site with Apple and then send push notifications by adding a couple of lines of code to your website. That can be annoying. I got one of those notices from, I think, MacRumors.com, and I said, no, I didn't want to be annoyed with any more notices. I think I get more than enough. Well, the only one that I, the only site I've seen so far that has it, I didn't know Macroom was turned it on, um, was the New York Times website. And so I turned it on there, but I haven't gotten any notifications yet. Um, so I'm not sure what this is going to do for me, whether it's going to be a good thing or not. I don't but, know. Overall, I think the experience of Mavericks is pretty good. It's certainly not worse. It doesn't seem to have many early release bugs that I've heard about. I don't see any. There is one thing I do there are, notice. There are a is lot of problems with mail. A lot of people are having problems with mail. Are There's they? A with mail if you use Gmail. And someone I know contacted me earlier today. Um, he's got five years of email um, archived on his Mac, not on a server. And when he upgraded mail, it all got lost. And he tried to bring it in through Time Machine. And he just gets blank messages. So I, I've seen a number of people had problems. I had problems with smart mailboxes that weren't working on one of my Macs. Um, I had to delete a, a file called envelope index inside one of mail subfolders. And that makes mail rebuild um, its sort of library, as it were. And that fixed it. Um, but a lot of people have had problems with mail. Well, I know Gmail has been a problem because basically Google does not support the IMAP standard in the same way as others. I yeah. have a Gmail account, but it's one of those accounts where I kind of just use it very simply and basically. I don't access the yeah. extra features. It's just to receive and send mail. It's something where I want to have a backup account separate from the ones that I use with an email server. So it's just an alternative account. And it works fine. I have no problem with it. But again, I do not engage in any of the weird extra features. I just let it do what it's going to do. I don't use archiving or anything like that. I basically store everything everywhere and make multiple copies. So where I've chosen to keep my email, it goes back to 1999. Wow. So I have about 60,000 messages. I mean, I wow. do go through it and I eliminate the list. 
But I have a colleague, my friend Chris, who's the co-host of the Paracast. He's got 16 or 17 gigabytes of email files with one okay. account. Okay. You know, I've, I've known people who do that, and it's just not something that's ever interested me. I keep what I need as long as I need it, um, and that's it. Um, but I know people can be pack rats for their email, and you know, up to you if you want to do that. Up to you whether you think you need to do that. I don't think very many people really do. In that case, I host his email. So I am concerned that he makes his mailbox so big, so I kind of write him for it. Anyway, looks like, seriously, other than the issues that might arise with mail, and maybe the thing with Gmail, you know, a maintenance update will take care of it. I think for most people, Mavericks has been a pretty clean update. It's not that Apple had a short beta cycle. They started developer releases in June. They bring it out towards the end of October. They took plenty of time. Kirk McElhern, what can you tell us very quickly in the final minute? Anything happening in the iTunes world we should know about? Yeah. Um, since Mavericks has the iBooks app, any any books, not audiobooks, but books that you have in iTunes are no longer available on iTunes. Not only are they only available through the iBooks app, but they're moved. So all my books were on a, a hard drive where I keep my media, and they're moved inside my library folder in a place that's pretty, pretty hard to find. And the files are renamed, so you can't find them easily. There's no reveal in Finder if you want to get a book out of iBooks. Um, so if you have a big book library, EPUB book library that you had in iTunes, you're going to find yourself in a bit of a pickle here. Oh, boy. If it isn't one thing, it's another. Well, that's pretty much the way life is, isn't it, Gene? Kirk McElhern, tell our listeners, please, where they can find more of your stuff. Um, you can go to my website, Kirkville, which is at McElhern.com, M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. And you can find me on Macworld, where I write the Ask the iTunes Guy column every two weeks, as well as plenty of other articles. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me again, Gene. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. 
A healthy digestive system supports a healthy immune system. And a healthy immune system protects you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse, available at Terraganics.com, is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, is non-GMO, has all-natural certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is never freeze-dried. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM1, the raw probiotic. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Arundel, we're of Roughly Drafted Magazine and also Apple Insider. And he has so much to say about what Apple announced this week that this show may not be enough to contain it. Did you go to the Apple Media event? Yes, the uh, yeah, the second one. Now we got new Macs and iPads in addition to the phones from last month. So you got a chance to take a look at the gear. What most impressed you? The thinness of the the new iPad Air is pretty cool. It, it's one of those things where you kind of know that it, it's going to happen. I mean, when you when we saw the the mini last year, it was such an advance over the, the iPad itself. I mean, the iPad it was like cool until you saw the mini, and then it was like, wow, the mini is super thin. And it was kind of obvious that Apple was laying this trajectory of where they were going to go with the iPad. So it wasn't it wasn't surprising the way that it should have been. Um, but still, when you're holding it, it's like, wow, how can they possibly do this? But that's technology, and it's there, and it works. <laughs> well, they managed to do it for the same price. The same wasn't true, of course, for the iPad Mini, where it's now $70 or more. Is that what it cost Apple, $70 or more, to give you a retina display? I don't know how much the displays cost, but if you look at what the Mini was, it's not that the Mini is costing more just with the retina display. It's that, I mean, the Mini de- debuted at a much lower price than the original iPad. So, just also how do you differentiate that? And it's interesting that they they went in both directions on the Mini. So the, the original Mini is getting a little cheaper and this one's getting more expensive. Mitosis, you know, differentiating. So you get like a lower price point and a higher category. Well, it, it'll be interesting to see which one people are buying. Because Apple doesn't release, Apple doesn't break down every model that they sell especially like between our iPads, for example. But there are other companies that estimate how many they think Apple is selling of each kind of model. Uh, there was a report sort of recently talking about a lot of the iPad 2 is still selling. And I can't remember exactly the numbers, but I think it's kind of close to a third. So, I mean, the, the, the 2, which it, you know consumers considered, oh, that's quite old, it's from 2011, uh, is still selling. And it's selling in num- you know pretty big numbers. And it appears that a lot of that comes from, you know, fleet order and companies and schools and stuff that aren't really, they don't really care about so much the bleeding edge of technology as they do about having a functional device that they know is going to work and, um, 
at a lower price point. Those are the things that are important. Well, of course, Wall Street's always of two minds here. They want to see Apple have high margins, but then they say that Apple's prices are too high, so they can't get their minds in sync with each other. Well, yeah, I mean, it's two extremes that are kind of argued at the same time. And Apple doesn't really have a problem with either one. They're, They're leading by a far margin, everybody else's margins. I mean, Samsung is the only other company that's making money, and their margins are about half of what Apple's are. And everyone else is not really making money at all. So to invent the problem of Apple's margins is kind of stretching reality a little bit. And at the same time, people are talking about, oh, Apple's products are so expensive. And it's like, well, no, no, they're not. They came out, when they came out with the iPad, it was the cheapest tablet by a considerable margin. Um, you know, when the iPad first came out, it was four ninety nine, and the nearest thing, you know, in kind of that ballpark was Samsung's Windows tablet thing that was started at seven seventy five in that ballpark and went up pretty quickly as it got more useful. So since then, there's been a, you know, a flurry of cheaper and cheaper, cheaper devices, but there's no indication that people are really flocking to those devices. It's and also it's- true that the people who build those devices got the prices down by killing the profit. They don't want a profit. They just want to sell hardware. Does that make sense? Maybe it's just the Amazon price model because Amazon stock is going up, but they lost money last quarter. Yeah, that's, that's always been the case. Wacky. <laughs> yeah. So if you look at the, the first competitors to the iPad, there was, you know, uh, Google came out with their Honeycomb Android 3.0 in, what, 2011, the next year. And they were kind of aiming at selling higher-end stuff. They were trying to sell notebooks or um, tablets that started out at closer to six, seven, eight hundred dollars And that's kind of the same thing that Microsoft did. They said, here's the Surface. It costs kind of the same as an iPad, but it goes up from there. And then if you want the actual one that people are going to want, the Pro, it's going to be around $1,200. And, you know, that both of them just bombed, completely bombed for like a year. And now they're coming back and saying, oh, yeah, now we're the same price. And, you know, in some cases, we're, we're even cheaper than your cheapest iPads because we're offering, you know, lower end stuff and we're not taking, there's no profit margin at all. We're just giving it away. And they still can't sell it. It's interesting, too, that the Surface went on sale, the second version, Surface 2, on October 22nd. But, of course, Apple had a media event, so there's no coverage of what Microsoft did. Didn't Microsoft think maybe they should just change the date? Well, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of things that they can't shift around very easy. Nokia came out with the same thing, you'd think they would stagger those releases or something because they're basically the same product. That's kind of weird. So this Can is basically a Nokia rebadged surface. No, well, you'd think it was, but no, it's, it's like a totally different thing. It looks very similar. I mean, can, like conceptually, but the kind of design decisions, it's not like, you know, a Volkswagen and an Audi where, you know, one is like the same thing with a little bit different features or something. Um, it's apparently completely designed originally by Nokia, and the fact that Microsoft is now buying Nokia, it's kind of a sobering thought. Can you imagine Apple, for example, buying another company for billions of dollars, and that company already makes what Apple makes? People would mock it, you know? I mean, they spent, the, the 
Nokia design team, the, the main designer was saying that he spent like a quarter or a third of his time working on this tablet that is obviously going nowhere. I mean, it's going to get folded into Microsoft and what are they going to do? Hybridize the two different products that, eh, what a mess. <laughs> Pretty crazy. But yeah, just imagine how much money and effort was wasted in developing two tablets that neither one of them, you know, is going to sell. But it's just crazy how much money is going into stuff that's not viable. Crazy times we're living in. <laughs> crazy times indeed. But I think the biggest announcement to come out of that is not that there was a thinner, lighter iPad Air or that mavericks arrive was that mavericks is free now i don't know if you remember me saying this but a long long time ago i said i think apple's at the point where they should make it free yeah i think we talked about that in the last session seems like and with apps too you know what they they made the the apps they're were, they were working in that direction i mean they, they announced that with the iphone and it was kind of sort of starting to look like they could possibly do that but yeah it is a big step with the iWork I apps and you know people are looking at like you're saying with um mavericks making it free it's already you know when it went down a couple years ago to 20 dollars or whatever it is um that's kind of a nominal fee and it it was already eroding microsoft's ability to charge lots of money for updates and that's not where they, their money comes from, of course, but they were getting some money from that, at least, retail. And now they can't play charge that at all. And more so, I mean, people are talking about iWork and Office. And it's interesting that Microsoft came up with this very defensive, like, oh, well, you know, iWork wasn't even real kind of, kind of thing. That Can you imagine Apple taking on somebody like that? Like somebody at the top of Apple's communications, somebody like Katie Cotton coming out and, and blogging about how pay no attention to, you know, something or other over here, this other company's doing, it's not even real. <laughs> That's right. Microsoft <laughs> office is not real. Okay. So basically nobody buys iWork except that it's one of the best selling apps in the iOS platform and continues to be a steady seller at the app store. Nobody buys it. But the big thing here is that it means that millions of Mac users have no reason to buy Microsoft Office, and we'll get into that in a moment. With Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine on the other side of the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources Gold and Silver. Government shutdown, inept politicians, entitlements, looming Obamacare. The death of the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency is what nobody wants to acknowledge. We have a debt bubble that cannot be paid and will eventually crash the dollar. If you're concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and we'll discuss your options of buying precious metals. Also, I can send you information on how you can roll over your IRA or 401k into a precious metal IRA. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the dollar crashes. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. And now, an important sponsored message for men only from GetEDSolutions.com. Men who were formerly taking ED medication are now reporting that a secret underground video has restored their male performance better than pills. These men say this secret underground video is bringing back the male performance and sensation they've been missing for years, and it's working better than pills. Things are so much better now. Everything kind of came back overnight. My girlfriend is very happy. I purchased your product yesterday, and it was fantastic. I have used your system for about three weeks and I'm already seeing great results. The owner of this video has reported the overwhelming bandwidth costs may necessitate his taking this video down. Don't miss watching this urgent video on fixing male performance while it's still up at GetEDSolutions.com. There may only be hours left, so watch now at GetEDSolutions.com. 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 There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. 
I'm Gene Steinberg. He's Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine, Apple Insider. So I raise that particular point of question here. That don't you think that Apple's maneuver basically destroys lots of potential sales of Office? Well, it's going to have some impact on, you know, certainly among home users. There's already kind of that impact already because the apps were really only ever $20 a piece. So people could get a version of Office without having to pay. Remember, Office used to be $500. When Apple started offering iWork apps, the amount that Microsoft could charge started dropping pretty rapidly. So it, it started ending up being a, a, a much cheaper product. But I think a lot of Microsoft's remaining customers are either an enterprise or another having special use cases where they can't necessarily make a switch or they're you know not motivated to. I think the biggest challenge, I mean, a lot of people are relating it to Microsoft, but I think the main reason for Apple making iWorks free ties into their web product and their collaboration product in taking on Google. Because while Google doesn't have a powerful position in Office apps with Google Docs, they're attracting new customers. It's kind of, there's a stickiness to it as an ecosystem. So if you get users, we're using your stuff because it works well. You attract customers that are going to have trouble leaving. So if people get used to using Google Docs and they're, they're using it and it works for them, they're not going to constantly be shopping for something new. So I think Apple is working on making an alternative to that so that when people buy new products, they don't go looking for solutions from somebody else, including Google and including Microsoft is now doing web stuff too. So it's, it's kind of moving online for everything. So people like to talk about how Microsoft still makes lots of money from PCs and from Office, but both of those are tied to the PC platform, which is now plateauing. The growth is all coming from mobiles. The same thing with Google. Google. Google still makes lots of money, but it's all tied to ads coming from the desktop PC platform on the web. Very little of it is actually coming from, a tiny shred of it's coming from mobile. And that number is increasing, but Apple has the platform that people want to be on and the platform that sells ads and the platform that sells cloud services. Well, let's take a look further here. So Pages is also available from iCloud.com. So you could basically run the same documents on a PC through iCloud.com, on a Mac, on your iOS device. Now, that's the other question, too. Can you take an Android smartphone and get to iCloud.com and use it? I don't know how well the Android version of Chrome works. But, I mean, they support it on Chrome on, the, on Windows. Presumably, Chrome on, works the same on Chrome OS. I mean, no one's using it there, but... In terms of using it in a, a mobile browser, I, you know, Apple has a native app for the iPhone. It would be a little clumsy to be trying to use, a, you know, a sophisticated word processor app in HTML on a mobile device. It makes quite a bit of sense on a desktop PC. But I mean, when you look at the desktop PC, the iCloud, I work for iCloud apps. It's sort of a, and I haven't used them extensively yet. But if you look at them, they're pretty. Pretty amazing for a, for a web app. It runs pretty swift, and yeah. it's not that much different from the experience of using the regular Mac version of Pages. Yeah, and the, the previous versions were not really there. I mean, the previous iCloud apps were very... You, you were very aware that you were using a web browser. It was sort of clunky. And these are... You feel like you're 
using. I mean, it's, it's a, a really a viable app, which is interesting for Apple because Apple is always kind of trended towards native apps. So it's interesting that they're they've made such a a leap towards creating a real HTML app that's very desktop like. I mean, it feels like a native app. There's there's not a lot of web apps that feel like native apps like that. And that said, I haven't used Microsoft's online stuff yet. Not extensively, certainly. Well, they're paying, what, $99 a year to get Microsoft's 365 service. Now, that's one thing, too. The way Apple has it now, you're getting five gigabytes of storage on iCloud. Wouldn't Apple be better to make it 10 and then charge for the extra? Or does that eliminate the potential market period? I don't know. I'm sure that number will change as they bring things online. But if you look at companies that are giving away a lot of storage, I mean, like... You know, Google gives you a lot of storage if you use their services, and they start out with some for free. But to me, the, the amount of storage that you need, I mean, the storage that I use, I use primarily for mail because I'm kind of a hoarder with email. I have a lot of email I just don't want to go through. Where documents, I don't really have that extensive of, of really huge documents that I'm going to be taking up gigabytes and gigabytes of space with them. And then other stuff, if you have media in the cloud or photo stream that doesn't even count against it so right now the number seems pretty reasonable unless you use a lot of email then you have to start paying for it well i have a number of email accounts i'm using close to 10 gigabytes of storage just for the email but of course it's not on apple's server i can put it on my own server or on one of the third-party companies like polaris mail so i wouldn't put it there except of course for my aging.mac account, mac.com account, which is still there. That one, maybe it's got a couple of hundred megabytes of space that it consumes. That's a big question, but the point here is that Apple is coming in there with free stuff, and then they cut the price of the MacBook Pros with Retina Display, and Apple's creating this entire value proposition where you buy the Mac, the MacBook Pro with Retina Display is now a little cheaper, you get the free OS for as long as it's compatible, which can be several years. You get the free Office Suite. You get the free iLife apps. So suddenly, the Mac becomes cheaper. Yeah, I think if you added up the, the minimal cost of iLife and iWork apps before, it was already, you know, already cheaper than going out and buying a PC or something and putting apps on it. And those kind of apps don't even exist for Android, really. So, so yeah, I think it's more obviously cheaper. And obviously, that's what that's what Apple's shooting for is creating an experience where you come in and I see a lot of psychology in how people shop. And, it, you know, it's like the 99 cent thing. The people think, you know, I think when I see something and it's something 99, it's much cheaper than if it were a penny more and it, it's the full dollar amount. There's just like a weird psychology about that, even though we know it's not. And it's the same thing when you buy something and you get a lot of things of perceived value for free with it you know that it's the same as if you paid less for it originally and then bought all those things separately. But there's a certain hesitancy about paying for things after the fact. People do not like to pay for software. And that's why it's so amazing that Apple has gotten people to buy apps. And that strategy was all oriented around lower prices. But it's pretty amazing to get kind of the general public to pay for anything. And so now they're kind of, it's sort of a modification of that in that they're providing their own apps for free, which were the top apps. You know, in the, in the App Store, the top 10 apps, you know, half of them or more were Apple's apps. And so when you're getting all those for free, you have a huge installed base. I mean, 
Apple has an install base of users, they're going to be getting more feedback. And I'm, I'm glad to see those apps getting better because they've been kind of stagnating for a while. We'll have more to talk about with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider on the other side of the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open-pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy bodies products from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com and all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water. Not all protein powders are created equal. One World Way is the first cold temperature processed, 100% all natural 
unrefined, bioactive, grass pasture raised milk whey protein. Far from being another ordinary protein supplement, One World Whey is a full spectrum nutrition power food in and of itself, providing overall life building benefits that touch virtually every human's life that other protein supplements don't deliver on. What are the benefits? Boosts the immune system, anti-aging properties, helps detoxification, helps lose body fat, supports excellent blood sugar levels, excellent for building muscle, increases in energy levels, enhances the feelings of youth, energy for exercise and recovery. Who's it for? Anyone wanting to feel healthy and have energy. Busy people, office workers, growing children, students, teachers, seniors, people recovering from illness, and high-performance athletes. Call 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. We're talking about the value proposition where Apple offers some pretty credible apps free, the operating system free on OS X finally. Now, some of the people in the media said, gee, this is a new thing for Apple, but of course it's not. In the early days of the Mac, in the 1980s and very early 1990s, the operating system upgrades were free. So Apple is basically reverted. Is the PC sales slowdown one reason why Apple has done this? Well, I think there's a, a need to differentiate because there's nobody competing with Apple in the prices that they charge for MacBooks. Apple's Macs start around $1,000, which if you go into a Best Buy, there's, there's really not any PCs that cost that much. Everything is selling for quite a bit less. So, and even then, you know, people, people are even consumers and consumers that are very price sensitive are still buying max you know the retail numbers are pretty high there's something like 10 percent, and then people you know that have specialized needs artists or you know if you're going to college you buy a mac because you're aware that it's a better machine so adding to that value proposition with software so that you know you're getting a bunch of stuff that works well together and it's going to be updated and it's going to progressively move as quickly as everything else Apple does, that's helping to differentiate because the the PC market is shrinking and it's getting more difficult. I mean, Apple's been outpacing the PC industry for, you know, 50 quarters or whatever they say. And it's just now getting to the point where I think Apple's running into where it's difficult to find an increasing percentage of the market that's willing to pay a premium. So they're now, they're improving their deal, you know, to expand their market and they're not there's not a lot of desperation involved because it's pretty conservative steps but they're they are working to make products for a more mainstream of users to expand that expand the number of people that they're serving without jumping into the junk category of coming out with flimsy super cheap stuff at the low end i guess we have to look at the impact to microsoft that now Microsoft is trying to move into more hardware, not doing so well. Obviously, they had fairly good quarter where they showed a decent increase in sales, but that's coming from Office, that's coming from Windows, and now Apple is driving the stake through their heart. A shot across the bow, some people say. 
So what does Microsoft do about that? They can't make Windows free. They're going to destroy their income base. Windows is actually slipping. They, they tried to talk about surface sales being up, but, you know, when you're adding to zero, it's pretty easy to come up with a big percentage. Windows sales are actually low. They're down. And they've been going down for some time. And Office is still up. And if you think about it, Microsoft, you know, as Microsoft recedes into the sunset, Office is going to be the strongest thing to sell to because they have a huge installed base. When you have a billion users, you can sell to them. I mean, w- when we watched Apple kind of disintegrate in the early 90s, they had a huge installed base of very loyal users so they could continue to sell certain things to those people for quite some time. The problem was they weren't expanding into new users. They weren't adding on to, you know, adding new products and going in different directions. And Microsoft hasn't been adding anything for a very long time. They've been servicing the same group of people. And so now they're talking about how they're going to sell devices and services, but um, they may do very well in services, but their devices that for the last 10 years, they haven't done anything with. Best example you can give of a popular Microsoft device is the Xbox, which, you know, kind of moderately kept up with the other console from Sony. But at, at tremendous cost, Microsoft just plowed billions and billions of dollars into subsidizing sales for years. And, you know, they learned the really difficult way that it's hard to make hardware. They spent a billion dollars, like more than a billion dollars on repairs that they didn't even plan after their stuff was just like failing at a 50%, greater than 50% um, number. For four years, four years after they started selling it, it was still failing 50%. But Microsoft never earns back the money they lost. They just took it off their tax returns. But if you look at the overall profits from that product and you compare them to the losses, that's a gulf that will never be reached. Yeah, and the Xbox is not going to take off and sell tremendous more billions of dollars because people aren't just sitting in the living room statically being entertained by a box anymore. They're walking around with mobile devices. So the console business is not poised to take off. And it's not like PCs are going to start selling again once Microsoft comes out with a version of Windows that isn't terrible. That that window is closing. We're now moving into a new world where people walk around with stuff. And that, that was really one of the things, one of the, you know, warm, fuzzy videos that, that Apple showed at their event was portraying people using iPads all over the world. And... You know, it was designed to just kind of show, here's how people are using the iPad. But it's really remarkable seeing all these cases are people using a tool that's basically a PC that you move around with you. They're not going to go back to a non-mobile world. So there's there's certainly going to be trucks that are still out there in offices and whatever. Just like when, when the PC came onto the scene, there were still mainframes and minis sitting in closets places. But that market, um, there was an entirely new market, and that's where the money was. And now we're seeing the same thing. People are moving to mobile. And I think I've said before on your show, I remember back in 2000 talking to people from Japan who were, I really didn't understand how people in Japan couldn't have PCs because they just use cell phones. It's like, how do you how do you do all the things that we do on PCs? And it's like, well, you know, we have a cell phone. It does cooler stuff than your cell phones. <laughs> and now we're seeing that happening everywhere else. Once you move to a mobile device, you don't want to go back and 
I mean, there's certain things, you know, like I, I work off computers a lot because I'm, you know, that's what I'm used to doing. But there's a whole generation of people that don't use, they don't have the concept of sitting in front of a computer. They're constantly mobile and they're constantly doing things with, even computers are mobile. And that's what Apple's, I mean, Apple is really dominating mobile device, mobile computers in terms of MacBooks. But they're also creating this huge new market for new sorts of mobile entertainment connectivity and mobile devices, cell phones and the iPad, obviously. That's something that you can't really enter the party after it's five, six years too late. So I don't see how Microsoft's going to run back into that, particularly leveraging what they have, because they haven't been able to leverage it in the past. You have to wonder about what Microsoft is going to do for their next act once the CEO, the new CEO, takes over. Is he going to throw everything out or try to start again? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, if you look at, you know, major PC makers, Dell, I haven't heard what their their exact latest plan is, but they've been talking about getting out of the PC market and getting into services. And, you know, HP is talking about various things that they want to do, but it's not clear what they're doing. HP has no vision. There is no vision there. Yeah, it's it's a big company that's, you know, does not seem to have coherent strategy. It's interesting, you know, people had such disregard for Apple in the in the early 90s when it was kind of obvious that the company was just didn't know what it was doing. And now we see everybody else in the industry is basically turning into an Apple from the early 90s. And when you look at it that way, it's harder to predict that they're all going to bounce back because Nobody predicted Apple was going to bounce back. And Apple didn't bounce back because they figured their stuff out. It was because somebody totally else came in and dramatically slashed and changed everything that they were doing. And it took years for Steve Jobs to turn Apple around. I mean, he started in 97, and it was like five years before they really were starting to look like maybe there was something going on here again. And then it was another five years before it was really the world was like, wow, Apple's actually doing something. It took all that time. It's a decade before yeah. Apple became what it became. Okay, we have Daniel Aaron Dilger, who doesn't have to wait a decade to become whatever it is he will be becoming. Don't ask me to repeat that sentence again. I have no idea what I said. We'll be back on the other side of the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com.
Is there such a thing as gluten-free emergency kits? Yes. And for celiacs, there is no other than glutenfreeemergencykits.com. If you or a loved one has celiac disease, you need a gluten-free emergency kit to survive. Our kits are natural, non-GMO, low-sodium, low-cholesterol, soy-free, contain no artificial colors or MSG, and carry the celiac spruce seal of approval. Now get our March Grab-and-Go Bucket Special for only $29.99 at glutenfreeemergencykits.com. Glutenfreeemergencykits.com. Better foods, better living. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pillow. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger, and I'm Gene Steinberg. We have one more segment left on the show. We're talking again about the platform wars, about the things Apple did, such as making iLife, iWork, and OS X Mavericks free, cutting into the heart of Microsoft's business model. Then we have Google's Android, where, correct me if I'm wrong here, development seems to have slowed down a lot. I mean, after Android 4.3 came out, they were talking about Android 5, now it's 4.4, KitKat, and we don't hear much about it. 
So is Google de-emphasizing Android? They don't mention it so much anymore. Well, I think they're trying to, to come up with a viable sounding strategy because what they were talking about before of just like taking the world by volume is not happening. It's not happening. And I think they're also facing new problems because half of Android, at least half of Android is Samsung. And the reason why Samsung is using Android as opposed to Windows Mobile or, you know, Windows Phone or their own Tizen or whatever else is because Google pays them. Google pays them a cut of their ads. Oh, and, and what kind of percentage do we know? Oh, I don't know. They're getting bribed to make well, Android bribed. gear. It's a deal. I mean, uh, um, they're not using Android because it's incredibly good. They're using Android because it makes sense for them. And, you know, that's not the only reason that they use Android, because there's a demand for Android devices. But Samsung, it would, it's going to be in Samsung's interest to have control over what they're doing. And the only thing that's going to stop them from leaving Android is if Google gives them more money. And Google's already not making much money from ads. And it's not making much, it's not really making anything from Android itself. It's not making like tremendous amounts of money from software because no one buys Android apps. So the majority of Google's money from Android is related to ad revenue, which is not really that much. Certainly nothing compared to what they're making on the desktop in the browser. So Google doesn't have a lot of money to offer Samsung and other companies to keep them using Android. Samsung wants more money. And if they don't get more money, it's eventually going to be in their interest to move to their own software, which they haven't really proven they can do, but they don't have to prove very hard that they can you know, make something on the level of Android because the people who are buying Samsung phones don't have a really high you know, threshold of quality. So they can put out a pretty basic device and sell it for less and give it away for free to a lot of carriers and still sell some volume of, of phones. So both companies are in a difficult position of what do you do next? Does Samsung continue to try to get more money out of Google? And is there money, more money to get? Or do they run and do their own thing with Tizen? And the other thing is Samsung is trying to keep it up with Apple. So what do you do when you're trying to make a 64-bit chip just so you can say that you have a, a phone like the iPhone 5S when it's not in Google's interest to do that? Google well, certainly Google is not showing that they're rushing to make Android 64-bit. And it's not going to be nearly as easy as Apple. Remember now that Android has that middle layer, Java, from Oracle. So Oracle has to give them the code for a 64-bit version? Well, I've heard people say that. Uh, the, the other side of that is that people say, oh, it's actually going to be much easier for Android because all they have to do is, is upgrade the, you know, the lower level, and then all the apps will just run by the, as they normally do you're running 32-bit apps on a 64-bit Android, but, you know, what's the point of that? You're not really getting any new benefit from it. The apps aren't, aren't 64-bit, so the, the benefits would be very limited. So the, overall, the thing is, Google is not really benefited in the short term from doing all the work required to go to 64-bit because Google doesn't sell premium hardware. They don't need to attract people to be selling the high-end phones. Google wants volume. And so Google's everything Google's been doing is all about volume plays. And if you look at the main features of, of Android, it's been how do we get something simple and cheap into every phone so that we can use it in some way to make money off ads. So their, you know, their big deal was NFC. If we get everybody to do NFC, we can broadly have this across all these cheap phones that people use. And then we can start rolling out Google Wallet and every 
every transaction people will make will generate us money. That failed miserably because they managed to get everybody to put NFC in their phones. But when they rolled it out, they had a lot of problems and ran into incompatibility issues. And on top of that, nobody wanted to use it because it's like, what's the value of tapping my phone when I can use a credit card? And I'm not exactly sure I trust Google with security because they managed to mess it up in certain respects. So you have all this work for nothing. They didn't make any money off NFC and Google Wallet. And that was their big shot at doing something. So now they're thinking, what do we do next? Do we go and copy everything Apple does? Because they don't make the money Apple makes. You know, even if they could direct people to, you know, if they come out with Touch ID and, you know, if they copy everything that Apple does, 64-bit and Touch ID, it doesn't benefit them at all because they're not selling that hardware. They don't get some commission. It's not like Microsoft. Microsoft at least got a little commission from software when people sold hardware. So if you sold more premium hardware, you'd sell a more expensive version of Windows with it. On Google, they're giving the software away. There's no reason for Google to want people to buy more expensive, nicer hardware with cool features. So why would they write the software to do it? Why would they put all that effort into it? Samsung is the opposite. Samsung is like, you know, the Apple of back in the day when they were trying to make hardware that people would buy. They want to sell the same kind of hardware that Apple does. So they're coming out with hardware and they're trying to compete in features and they're trying to sell higher-end hardware, but they're not actually selling more high-end hardware. They're selling a lot of low-end junk, but they're not selling a lot of high-end hardware. And, and people don't always get that. A lot of people think that, that Samsung is selling more phones, so they're also selling more high-end phones. Like, no, no, they're not. In fact, I just saw that when the Galaxy S4 came out, they were talking about how they were aiming to sell 100 million phones. And it's like, well, that's less than the iPhone. But still, they're not going to reach that target because the, the S4 is selling about the same as the S3 did the year before. They're not increasing their sales. Their sales are not growing boundlessly. And they've been warning all year. They started in January, and they just issued their last warning. They've been warning every quarter, this market is getting harder, and we're going to not be able to sell as many phones as we thought. And their warnings were not quite as strident as they should have been because they're doing worse than they planned to. All year long, there's been this fantasy that Samsung was taking over Apple. And it's like, no, they weren't, and they didn't. And they're not going to because they're not making the same kind of money in the high end. Well, certainly they had a lot of high hopes on the Galaxy S4, but didn't they dilute that by coming out with all these variants? Well, yeah, they're trying to sell. When, you, when, you, when you're trying to sell something, putting, they're trying to kind of coat the world. You know, would you like it if it did this? Would you like it if it was you know ruggedized and had these features? And that's been kind of Samsung's way to try to sell more it's interesting that apple hasn't done that you know i speculated you know what if they came out with an iphone pro or you know you know some other model that's different and people have talked a lot about why don't they come out with a different size screens you know a bigger screen it, you know it used to be when the palm pre came out and they were coming with the pixie everybody's like oh apple has to make a smaller one too and then that didn't work out at all and now that samsung is making bigger phones they're like oh apple has to make a bigger phone too and it's like well Remember when you were saying they had to make a smaller one? So what Apple's doing is they're going for selling the most of what they're making. So they're making the fewest models they possibly can. And right now, that's kind of complicated by the fact that they have to make a certain number of models just to work all over the world. There's, what, four or five different models of the 5S and 5C just to work on all the different LTE bands and different configurations. Can't we all just get along? LTE is not LTE, and... 
I won't even begin to explain what that's about. Apple added more support for LTE, but they still have to make multiple models. Okay, Daniel Aaron Dilger, please tell our listeners where to find more of your stuff. I write for Apple Insider and RoughlyDrafted.com. And Jim, General, who's been on your show, I'm pretty sure. Sure. He just came out with a new uh, looped magazine, just revamped it. So I, I, he asked me to do an article for the, the premiere edition of his new app where he's... So I wrote an article about the 5C. Who would buy a 5C if you could buy a 5S? So My wife has a 5C. There you go. Yeah. You can find us, by the way, on Twitter. We're Tech Night Howl. We're Tech Night Howl at Twitter. We have another radio show about UFOs and things to go bump in the night. And this week, we'll talk about missing government documents related to conspiracies with author Nick Redfern. Check out Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gene. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.